You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Brendan Clean. Evan is away for today's episode because we have a special guest on the show today. It's Baxter Holmes of ESPN.com who wrote a fantastic little profile of Mike James, the Suns' newest uh, roster member earlier in uh, November. And uh, we're bringing him on the show today to talk about James, talk about the translation from uh, two-way to standard NBA deal, the whole uh, trek that James has made from the, you know, college ranks to the European game all the way to the NBA. So uh, how are you today, Baxter? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, for sure. It was a interesting read that when I saw that piece come across because, you know, as a Suns fan, I think you're kind of, especially the past couple of years, you get used to outside of the stars, not a whole lot of attention, but this guy's story seemed uh, too interesting to pass up, I think. Yeah, you know, it. there are players who come around um, every so often, every year it seems, and they kind of have an interesting journey to the NBA. Maybe they started at a small college. Maybe they were kind of discovered overseas. Maybe they, uh, I mean, there can be any number of things where they somehow kind of slip through the cracks. Right. Um, and some of these guys, they, they may have had a few twists and turns as to how they finally got to the NBA. You know, we've heard of stories before where guys have uh, bounced around the D league for a long time and they finally get their chance to come up. Um, Mike James, and uh, you know, I want to be clear. There's, you know, when you hear the name Mike James in the NBA, you often think of the other guy who was also a journey, uh, kind of a journeyman player. Yeah. But uh, the younger Mike James uh, uh, from Portland is his story is even unique by the, the difficult standards of unique, uh, you know, journeyman, you know, reaches the NBA type stories. If you think of, you know, his path here, playing in five countries in each of the past. Five years, uh, pretty unusual, being a two-way guy. But then beyond that, you know, when I talked to him, he stressed how the NBA wasn't necessarily always his goal, which I think is the is is kind of the point or the the misconception that a lot of people would think that the NBA is the ultimate thing for everybody who plays basketball. But uh, that wasn't the case for him, which was a, a just just one of the many uh, interesting. Uh, elements uh, to Mike James' story. Yeah, I think that was, to me, hearing the news kind of trickle in over the summer when it looked like he was reaching that that two-way deal that, um, you know, it honestly made me think of the WNBA when we hear so many of these uh, women's players that go overseas and that's really where they make their living and the WNBA is a whole different situation for them and, and not always the pinnacle um, but I wanted to st- actually start with, you know, just kind of, did you come to Phoenix? Just paint a picture of the interview with him because the impression that I've had being in with the Suns this first month and a half, two months of the year is a very reserved guy. And you, you definitely get at that in the piece, but I, I just am interested to kind of hear what talking to him was like, especially before he really broke through. Yeah. Uh, so this was, you know, I want to give a ton of credit to, my colleague, uh, Nick Friedel, uh, based out of Chicago, um, who 
led the way on this story for us in so many ways. And I, I it was kind of an, an interesting assignment. Um, he had done so much of the work and I got a call like on a Thursday, the sons were in LA and was essentially asked, uh, you know, could you go to the game and chat with them? We have most everything uh, we need. We just, uh, we want to talk to him um, and, you know, get at some of the elements from his story. And so that was it. So I went, you know, I, I, I read up on him, uh, uh, read through a lot of the fantastic work that Nick Friedel had done, because certainly I think a lot of people, we had realized like, oh, this is a really interesting story. And then went to the game and just talked to him in the hallway outside the game. And, you know, the first thing that uh, I asked him about was if he remembered where he was when he got the call that he was going to be coming to the NBA. And the first thing that he said was like, he couldn't really remember. He's just like, I'm pretty sure I was in Portland, but you know, I'm not really sure. And one of the things, and first of all, it's a great interview. He is soft spoken, but um, you know, listening carefully, there were several things he said that were really interesting, but one of the things that kind of stuck out was like, you know, the NBA was not the ultimate for this guy. And I actually, I talked to him after the game about that. Cause he, uh, there was, there's something I wanted to follow up on. And he had made the point that he'd had opportunities before, but this was just the right opportunity. And so I wanted to ask him about that. And he said he's had, I can't remember what, what I say in the piece. It's like a dozen or something yeah, like that. I think you said 15. Yeah. More than a dozen different opportunities to potentially come to the NBA. Um, but it, they were all situations in which he wasn't going to play or like be able to make the kind of impact that he wanted to make. So he decided he would just rather stay overseas and, and do that thing there. So, uh, this is a guy who really, really likes to play. And, you know, so look, I did, um, I did, a, I did a main interview with him. Um, I used a lot of the great reporting that my colleague, uh, Nick Ferdell provided. He really, uh, kind of led the way for us on this piece. And then, yeah, it was just, I was kind of brought in at the very end, um, you know, per the request of an editor to, uh, do an interview with him and then and then write it up quickly. So it was a it was a quick thing for him. I basically got him in LA. I had a bunch of work uh, that another colleague did, and, and uh, did my best to try to stitch everything together. So do you do you think that he sees it almost as like a not a sacrifice, but at least initially coming over with the way that the two way contracts work? I'm sure for a player like him, especially not you know certain college players probably see this as a level of security that they couldn't get if they were to go straight overseas like he did. But considering that he's kind of coming in at the end of all of that, do you think that that was a, do you think he saw it as a risk? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I think what, what, however it was that the situation was explained to him, um, of, of what was going on in Phoenix, it was enough for him to pull the trigger, so to speak, on, on, on finally coming over to the NBA. Now, as he noted, um, he was thinking a little bit about his age, right? If I'm, if he didn't do it now, perhaps he wouldn't have done it. Um, and, and maybe that opportunity kind of slips by. You can, for as much as he loves basketball and just wants to be able to play, I think, you know, he would be probably the first to tell you that, that certainly there's a part of him that, you know, would like to be able to, to play at the, what's considered the game's ultimate level and, and see how things are going there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, there was, there was security in the son's opportunity that this apparently was not there with anywhere else. So 
however much of a risk it was, it doesn't seem like it was as much of a risk as, as any other opportunity he might have considered in the past. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of fans that I think in Phoenix want to believe that it was a little bit of a handshake agreement under the table sort of thing that he was just because now we're seeing that he didn't spend any time in the G League. Um, you know, he it was a two-way contract almost only in name, it seems like. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I there would be no way to speculate on any of those things. It's just interesting that he uh, found something special. And, and as you, you know, mentioned in the piece and is known for Suns fans, he did play with the Summer League team uh in 15 and or in 16 and 17 i believe so do you did you get the impression from him that that connection was already was an important part of it i mean he's from portland so you you know maybe would think he'd look around that area first or obviously he's uh gotten all these opportunities what do you think it was about phoenix that really stuck out to him and kind of sealed the deal I think some some familiarity certainly with the team, as you mentioned, he you know, he played on two summer league or he made two summer league appearances with the Suns, so there's familiarity there, and perhaps that familiarity, he you know knowing the kind of the lay of the land, um, and maybe in the backward situation, had a better sense that uh, you know certain maybe the impressions that he'd made during summer league. I think he'd had. This last summer league, I want to say he, I believe he scored like 32 or something that that game against the Spurs. Granted, it's summer league. Everything that happens in summer league, you take with a huge grain of salt. It's always only ever summer league. But, um, you know, I I think that that certainly there's familiarity there. And I, you know, him kind of understanding maybe the ins and outs of the organization thought that if if there was ever going to be an opportunity that was, you know, maybe checked enough of the boxes that he kind of was demanding of himself. And kudos to him for being particular in that way. I think a lot of guys might come over and, uh, you know, jump at kind of their first opportunity to play in the NBA when in reality they may not be playing at all and, and may not be having the best chance of, of getting better or making kind of an impact or whatever the case may be. So, um, uh, so could him in that regard, but yeah, I think that the, you know, the, the familiarity is that, you know, as I mentioned a couple of times before that, that certainly helped. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, it couldn't almost have been a more perfect situation for him to end up in because whatever sort of feeling he had about the playing time he might get heading into the year, um, the Eric Bledsoe situation breaks the way that it does, and then he impresses so much in camp that he ends up as the starter uh, four games into the season. So um, what, what's been your just impression you know, of the kind of player he is and the ability to to score and do so well right away. Well, he looks, you know, he looks very experienced, very confident. He's, I mean, he's had a lot of success overseas in an international scout, NBA scout, uh, that I talked with who has seen him play a lot mentioned, uh, how he really became more of a leader over there that he wasn't the player you saw today when he first came overseas that he really developed and he used that opportunity for minutes uh, and uh, uh, important minutes, really to his advantage. And so, when you see him, I you know I don't think it's I don't think it's an accident that in his basically his first appearances for the Suns, he was able to make an impact. I think you know what we're recording this on December tenth. Uh, he had what I think a career high twenty five points last night against the, the Spurs, albeit a skeleton crew uh, for a Spurs team that was. Well, had to play in their fifth game in seven nights, but nonetheless, 
uh, you know, he, he looks very experienced, very confident. Um, he's a guy who's played basketball in some, I mean, this is something he and I talked about, but he's played it in some, you know, really intense environments. He, he, I thought this was really interesting. Um, him talking about how intense the environments are overseas as compared to what, um, he, he, uh, is playing for now. He said something to the effect of like, you know, he thinks some of those arenas or the NBA arenas in now, they're like, they're really quiet. You know, it's almost like playing in front of an empty gym. So, um, you know, he, yeah, but he, he is not shying away from this, from this moment, from the stage, from whatever you want to call it. He is, that's, that's, is my early impression of it. Yeah. I think the, uh, it'll be definitely interesting moving forward, uh, to see going into next summer and, and on into the rest of his career, just sort of with the way that his age is as a, you know, quote unquote rookie and just the, I mean, I, I would guess that teams around the league are looking at this sun situation, especially at the point guard spot. And, you know, if you're trying to scout Mike James to potentially add him to your team going into next summer, it's a whole, you know, just complicated situation to try to gauge, I would imagine. But the one last question that I had from the story, um, just because it jumped out to me as odd, and it maybe was um, a part of the reporting that Nick Friedel did, but the McDonough quote where he's talking about um, being surprised when he saw his performance in the first summer league, I believe, was that a conversation that you had? Oh no, that was something that uh, that uh, uh, my colleague Nick Fordell had. Uh, okay, because he has yeah, that was a he had with him. Yeah, yeah, he has a, a quote in there where he's shocked to learn the uh, you know that it's not the old Nike James that you referred to at the beginning. And I was just sitting yeah. there reading that like, did Ryan McDonough not have a gauge on who this guy was, or was it even he's even so anonymous that the general manager of the summer league team didn't even realize that he was around that that just struck me as really funny and like sort of quintessential of you know the picture that you guys painted in the story of this quiet kind of workaholic guy well you know one thing i'll I'll, I'll note to that so when I got a call uh from my editor about you know that we uh, we want you to kind of chip in on this feature, um, but my first my first take was Mike James, like the old Mike James, like yeah. what is, is he back? Something like that. I didn't realize that there was another Mike James, and that there he was a kind of journeyman guy, and uh, I had no idea. I I just. And so my first thought was like, man, how unusual is it that there's like two journeyman players with the same exact name? Um, yeah, it was just very interesting. So I don't, you know, I don't knock McDonough uh, for for that being his like first take when someone says to him, Mike James, because you know I think there's part of part of the, the human brain that we're just kind of conditioned, especially as like you know, like imagine if there's another NBA player who's and I'm just picking a name, but there's another guy named Michael Jordan where there's another guy named Gary Payton. Like it's just, you just like, do a, a double what, take. The, yeah. Like, wait a minute. Cause you're, you think of do you think of the other guy, right? You don't, you're yeah. not, you know, thinking of like, you know, whatever. So, um, uh, anyways, anyways, that's yeah. But yeah. So I don't knock McDonough for that way. Cause that, again, that was the, that was my first take too. No, it was, it was just funny. I, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming it was a situation like that. You're just like, 
Well, I'm sorry, who? But um, no, it yeah, just yeah. it was just funny to uh, to read it that way. Um, I just wanted to close with you know you obviously have seen the Suns this year as uh, some of us unfortunately have. So um, right now they're without Devin Booker, and that's a a whole situation. But they came off of a long road trip. They've had um, up and down year, but what's been your just overall sense of that team and and where you kind of see their trajectory just to get that perspective in before we leave yeah it, it i mean devin booker looks more and more like a franchise player i think people you know aside from the his amazing performance in boston last year when he put up all those points i think um, there have kind of been this like, oh man, like he's really young, but maybe he's a franchise player and a franchise player tag is not something to be taken lightly. Like there's only a handful of guys in the NBA who, um, I think even come close to really like, oh, this is a guy you want to build around, right? Like this is, that's how much of a talent he is. Um, but more and more this year, he has really looked like that kind of guy. Granted, he's out right now because of an injury. Now, as of for, for some of the other guys, it, it they they drafted some really young players in recent years. Um, you know, there's Josh Jackson, there's Marquise Chris. Uh, there, there's a handful of guys, and I some of some people are quick to say they're quick to kind of judge whatever a player might become. Um, you know, they might give them a year or two at most, um, if that. Uh, I it, it's hard with the age of some of these guys on this team and the fact that. There's been a lot of turnover, you know, on the coaching staff and just organizationally. A lot, you know, players coming and going. Bledsoe now gone. Uh, so it, I don't. I mean, and the other thing that's tough for them is look, they're in the Western Conference. It's a brutal conference. Uh, so many good teams. So they're going to get beaten up night in and night out. I don't know, you know, when some of these young guys may develop into whatever they may develop into if they you know reach the potential of players you know that the, the, the team obviously hope they reach uh you know picking them as high as they pick them um so there's just there's a lot of question marks for me um you know josh jackson's really interesting you know chris is really interesting some you know bookers is uh you know fantastic he's a, he's a fantastic scorer um i i'm be, i'm really interested to see what he looks like in three years uh but I, I really hope for their sake that they're able to develop some of these young guys um, so that we don't look back in, I don't know how many years, let's say four years from now, and say, man, like the Suns were terrible and had all these high draft picks and whatever became of any of those guys. Like the only guy they got was Booker and then he, you know, when his rookie deal was up or, or whatever, like at some point he got, you know, he wanted to get out of there. Um, sure. So yeah, I'm kind of in wait and see mode at this point. But uh, you know, Booker, I think, I mean, he, he is a bright shining star. Um, but I, I I don't I don't know on any of the other guys, some of the other young players. But I'm not ready to make it make a, uh, a a proclamation one way or the other. That's fair. I and I completely agree on Booker. Booker, as I assume a lot of people are getting to that point with him, it's becoming mostly undeniable as far as his offensive performance goes but you know just as you're talking there I'm thinking you know as uh, an LA guy I'm sure you're most familiar with the Lakers or at least have kind of watched their development project over the 
past few seasons. And to me, they have been one of the better examples of the past few years of a situation with so many young players where, and I think we're especially seeing it this year, where they've nailed the kinds of veteran guys and kind of known, aside from the Mozgov and, and Luwaldane contracts, those I think are mistakes, obviously, that they've already realized. But guys like Brooke Lopez, even uh, Corey Brewer's playing this year, and regardless, almost, I'm not even talking about like how they've produced on the court, but they seem like a situation where they've put the right kinds of, of veteran role players in place for those young guys to get better, get experience playing with, with you know, smarter players, and they've found that balance in a way that I think, you know, teams like the Suns have struggled to. Does that seem like, from your perspective, that that's been the case for them, or is it something completely different? No, that's a, that's a fair, um, that's a fair uh, perception. I don't, you know, how much of it for me is like looking at the Lakers and thinking that they're being super strategic and like, oh, we need these veterans um, in order to kind of train our young players or, or if, I mean, there's all kinds of interesting dynamics. I've covered, I covered the Lakers for three years at ESPN and there's all kinds of interesting dynamics to consider there. Um, you know, the kind of fading trajectory of a team is still trying to be really relevant and has a huge TV deal and, and, uh, you know, a ratings clause in their contract that they're trying to live up to and trying to be flashy to get free agents and, you know, m- keep their name in the headlines and, but still developing players. So there's a lot of stuff at play. Um, but I think one thing that you can't deny is that having veteran players around rookies, uh, and I, I mean like good veteran locker room guys, like real professionals, not to be the cliche to death, but like, I mean, these, these guys do exist, right? Their, their impact in the locker room on a culture is something that doesn't show up in a box score, but man, it is, uh, if you're there around a team day in and day out, it absolutely makes a huge difference. So, uh, you know, I mean, there are situations I think of in Philadelphia where they didn't have some of that and they really needed those guys because they were just very, they were very bought into the process, so to speak. Uh, the Lakers have had some of those guys, although I think a lot of people would say that, you know, particularly with Mozgov and Dang, that the dollar figures were absolutely absurd as to the contracts they signed into, even into, even in a, you know, in that famous summer when everybody was spending like crazy. So, uh, you know, so to your point, I, I guess I'd say generally like look, having good professional vets around young kids, great idea, right? Uh, you know, they may not be able to give you much in the way of production on the court, but, uh, if you have a really promising group of rookies or first year guys who are super young and you're thinking that these are, this is going to be the foundation of what we build moving forward. Guys like that, or, you know, I mean like the, the pro vets, absolutely a good investment. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know what the situation is with, uh, uh, Phoenix and you know, how many of those guys are, you know, I'm not around the team on a day to day basis. I don't know how their, how their locker room dynamic is really. Uh, but to bring it back, you know, look, you know, my having a guy like Mike James around who, you know, he told me that he certainly answers a lot of questions from the rookies, uh, just because he's, he's seen a lot of basketball. He's played a lot of basketball and he hasn't played a lot of NBA basketball, but, uh, you know, he's, he's seen enough and played enough and certainly against, you know, NBA caliber players overseas that, he can bring a lot to the table for them in terms of uh, being able to answer some questions or experience. So, yeah, always a good thing when you've got a really young group of guys. Yeah, I would think that James, especially with that uncertainty with the point guard position this year, has been a, a nice buoy for the coaching staff to be able to lean on and 
He's played a lot of minutes when he's had to, including that Spurs game, the career high scoring for him that you mentioned uh, a couple nights ago. So um, yeah, his story, as we've been talking about, will definitely be one to watch. And uh, I appreciate the work that you did to, to kind of shed some light on it and to come on and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, go ahead and uh, if you like what you're hearing today, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, like us on iTunes, leave a comment, um, and follow us on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, and we'll be back with you next week to go back to some games. Thank you.